Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with Miha, the fail coach. And if you want to know what a fail coach is, you are about to find out. So Miha is a fascinating individual, and I welcome you to the show, and I want you to give our audience a little about your background. People do call me the fail coach because uh, everything that I do, everything that I teach is coming through my past failures, and there were plenty of failures, and all the lessons and the growth that came out of that, and I'm a huge advocate that when you have healthy relationship with failure, you can fail fast, you can fail forward, and you will achieve greater and faster the success. So Michal, all of us fail. Like anybody who tells you they've never failed in life is, is telling you a story, a fairy tale. We all wish we would never fail in life, but it's just a part of our lives. You know, some people fail in their marriage, other people fail in business, other people fail in, you know, with best friends and they have a falling out. And, it, you know, there's a million ways you can fail. And we're talking mostly about business today. So I want to hear about some of your failures. The last crisis hit US 2008 and it came to Europe in 2009. Uh, at that time, I had four companies. One of them was in real estate. A whole lot was tied together and I was co-signing those agreements for loans and stuff like that. My personal network at that time was around roughly 15 million US. And then in just one single day, it was December 7, 2009, Monday morning, I got a call from the bank uh, and they foreclosed my project. Um, everything just fall together as a domino effect because everything was co-signed and I lost around $20 million. So next day, Tuesday, I was roughly 5 million US dollars in personal debt. So personally, as Miha, and things in Europe is, are not as easy when it comes to bankruptcy as they are a little bit easier in the US. So I wasn't just able to do personal bankruptcy and get all of that rid of. It was followed by a whole lot of depression, anxiety, suicide attempts. I really came like seconds away on the last try and then, you know, the aha moment and slow climb back after that. But failure is, like you said, it's a daily part of our life. Like maybe I want to make something new in the kitchen, a risotto, and I just put too much, you know, water or, or chicken stock in it. And it comes out as a soup instead of a risotto or something similar. So, you know how people say we have to die, we have to pay taxes. Well, I also say we have to fail. It's impossible to do it in any other way. We fail all the time. Well, Miha, your failure was epic. Like that is really dramatic failure. And you seem to have bounced back because you're doing these podcasts, you're very successful now. So, but at that time, you know, you couldn't foresee the future and you were $5 million in debt and couldn't erase that. I want to know what did it feel like to literally overnight go from a multimillionaire, you know, 15 million to negative 5 million? How did that feel um, when you were like on the precipice of really 
almost taking your life. Can you go into a little more detail about that? So, you know, all of us want to understand because we have suffered. Like I've had my failures too, but this show is about you. So I'm not going to dive into all mine, but I talk about them too, because people see me as very successful. And I'm like, you don't even know like what I've been through. So tell the audience, because I think they'll really relate to that. So for the first two or three weeks after that Monday, I wasn't really grasping what happened. And I was like, you know, I can figure it out. I have three other companies I can figure out. I can make a contract here, a contract there. I can prolong this a little bit. And and for the first two or three weeks, I was just, you know, running in circles and thinking that I will somehow magically find a solution. It was only after I exhausted everything that came to my mind when it really hit me. And at that moment, um, I retracted. I was just staying in my apartment. Uh, it wasn't yet taken away from me. So I was, I had, you know, a couch to be on and I was just there lying, you know, in that uh, fetus position or, or the baby position. Yeah, I, I just shut myself away from the whole world. I didn't want to burden anybody. It was hard to face the debtors and the creditors and all of that. And I was just running away and being with myself. But then, you know, my, my mind was racing 24-7 and it felt almost like a nuclear reactor that is just ready to burst. And, you know, little by little, a few months later, yeah, I found myself in contemplating suicide more and more and more. And it wasn't to run away from the responsibility of, of the debt. It was more because I, I just didn't know how to shut the head down and, and how to have some moments of silence and sanity because I was just 24 seven in that thinking, overthinking, not seeing the future, overthinking the past and, and so on. So yeah, it, it was a very difficult time. And um, yeah, somehow I survived. The worst thing is that dialogue in your head that you just cannot stop. And it's very negative. Now for you, you did what most people do and you shut yourself off. Like you closed yourself off. That's actually the worst thing you can do. How did you crawl out of this? How did you pay off $5 million? Or are you still paying oh. it off? And psychologically, what are the steps you took to actually recover? This is a multi-part answer. So let's tackle the first one. Um, up to that moment on the balcony, because my idea of suicide was to throw myself off the balcony. Up to that moment, whenever something good happened to me, it was only natural that that was, you know, my fault. But whenever something bad happened, I was always able to find somebody to blame it on or something, you know, the financial crisis, the bank, the government, and so on. And it was at that moment when I realized that it was my decisions, you know, things that I did or things that I didn't do, decisions I didn't make, actions I didn't take or took wrong actions. And that, as much as it was hard to admit it's all my fault, it was liberating because if it is my, me, then if I change I can get a different outcome. And, and that helped me to climb back on the other side of the balcony. Now for the paying off, it took me many years. Uh, so first of all, after the aha moment, things didn't just 
happen overnight. That was just the start of the process. And it was a long process of me trying to figure out who I am, uh, what am I lacking? What do I need to learn? And, and you know, what experience I need to gain? Because there was a whole lot of entrepreneurial skills and knowledge that I was lacking in the past. And uh, so working on me, working on my business development. And then in 2014, I created a startup. I was able to scale it insanely fast in the first two years. In the third year, we were taken over by a Fortune 100 competitor. And yeah, I earned enough through exit to repay all the past debts. And I was left with a nice chunk of money on top of that. And I never thought that I'll do any kind of coaching or anything. I really just went to Portugal, to Lisbon. And I said, okay, this is it. Life on the beach, cocktails, dancing, having partying all night long. But then after three days, I got so bored and I said, I need to go to a few meetups. I need to be surrounded with fellow entrepreneurs. And then, you know, one thing led to another. They get to know you, your crazy stories. They start asking you questions. And, you know, yeah, that's how I became known as the fail coach, because wherever we were talking about, I always use the story of some failure from my past. And they were like, you're the fail coach. And it just stuck to me. It's great that you had a fairy tale ending. I mean, I wish everybody could have that fairy tale ending where you pulled yourself up, you know, by your bootstraps and actually had that exit. Because most people out there honestly dream of getting $5 million, let alone more than 5 million where you could pay off your debts and move to Portugal and have whatever life you wanted. Now, Tell people what were some of the concrete things that you learned and that you did after that failure to actually claw your way back to a person who's now highly successful. Business is way more than just marketing and sales and delivery. That's just one little part. It's good if you are good at marketing yourself and selling whatever you do and then delivering those products and services, but there is a whole bunch more and there are way more foundations that you need to put in place holistically for a business to be sustainable. The thing was, you know, before 2008, we had that amazing few years where at least in Europe, if you had an idea whatever the idea was, a little bit on the entrepreneurial side. Banks were throwing money at you. And so it was very easy in, in that macroeconomic situation where everything was booming to, to be good with just marketing and sales and delivery. But then when the crisis came, I often say that my businesses were like that first house from the Three Little Pigs story. And when the first wind came, it just everything fall apart. And so, yes, foundations, foundations, foundations. Another really big thing is your foundation as the entrepreneur. I often like to say, stay humble because I wasn't. I thought that I'm the greatest entrepreneur in the world. Nothing can happen to me. I started taking projects that were way too big. I mentioned one of my businesses in real estate. I never built a dog house before. And I was an investor in a 60 something million euros uh, real estate project. So, you know, without any foundational knowledge of how you do real estate. And I was the investor and, and just little things like that. So invest in yourself, invest in building the foundation. That is the 
number one thing that I always say to everybody. And because you can't possibly be everything, make sure that you do some solid business dating. You don't want one night stands and, you know, hire a lawyer or hire this. Do some dating, do a few dates, take it easy, and then surround yourself with an amazing team that can support you in whatever you are uh, trying to accomplish. You can't do it alone. A lot of people want to take shortcuts. You know, I was talking to an entrepreneur yesterday and she was like, I want to do this. I want to do that. She had all these ideas. And I was like, have you really educated yourself about any of this? Have you taken time to really understand what it means to start a business? You know, done the homework, really put in that, all that effort it is to learn. When you say understand the foundations, you're like whatever industry you're in, whatever business you're in, you have to know it like better than your competitors. And they have been in this business for years because if you're going to like yeah. pass them up, if you're going to do well, you have to, and that takes a lot of work. That takes yes. a lot of dedication. And you were doing four projects at once. I think that also spread you really thin for projects in areas you didn't know. So you're saying you just focused on one project. Is that what you did? Just one yes. and just put all your energy into yes. that one thing and then made sure not only you knew everything about that business and built a really solid, you know, knowledge base, foundation, understanding of the business model, everything else, but you also took a lot of time and care to pick your partners. Yes. I invested six years of everything into building that business, that startup before the day when we incorporated the business. So the company was incorporated on 14th February, 2014. My exit was in 2016. Well, I got the money in 2017, but six years prior. So from 2008 all the way to 2014, I spent every waking hour, minute, I spent endless nights researching because the business was in energy efficiency for big retail chains and hotel chains. I've spent time reading case study, educating myself on business models, on this, on that. I spent countless hours trying to get somebody on the phone from Johnson Controls, from Siemens, from Schneider, and just get as much as I can. I went to every possible conference on that topic and so on. But I did saw a huge potential in that industry, especially back then, and with some uniqueness to our approach, which was not very technical, but more through process changes and behavioral changes and so on. And I saw a great opportunity, but I invested six years completely to that project and, and not just to the industry, but how we will scale. What are the things that we can outsource? How do we do this? How do we do the operational side? Who do I need next to me and as the core team and so on? So business development, product market fit creation, like all of those initial things, six freaking years of that. So that in two years, we were able to scale to nine figures. What you said rings so true. So first of all, I see a lot of entrepreneurs out there and they, you know, they read the media, they see all these people becoming unicorns and how easy it is to be a billionaire. And they think all you need is a big idea. You just need a big idea and go You're out there. And just one funnel away. Yes. And it honestly, <laughs> those never work. Like they never work. It's not the big idea. It's all that nitty gritty stuff that you figured out that well, actually. I mean, Steve, you know, sometimes somebody wins the Powerball. 
like two year, two times a year or one time a year. So every now and then somebody, yes, they are lucky. They, they come up with something and they make a tweet and I don't know, out of thin air, Kim Kardashian, you know, retweets them or something like that. Yes, it happens once in, I don't know how, I, I think it's much more likely that you will be hit by a lightning than, than making that out of success. But for all the rest of us, we ain't gonna get that lucky. We need to put in the solid business development that needs to be put into something. There are no cookie cutter methods. There, there, there aren't blueprints that will work in just the same way for you as for thousands of others. If somebody will, would be able to come up with something like that, everybody, we would all just jump into that business. Nobody would be doing anything else but that. You know, the thing is, there are billions of people on this planet. So there's going to be people who get super lucky. Like, it's just a st statistics. Like you said, somebody's going to release an NFT, a digital image that will sell for millions overnight, and they're going to be rich. All the rest of us read about that. I'm like, why couldn't that be me? If you don't have the foundations in yourself and uh, the me mentality, the, the right mindset and so on, you, you can make millions, but you will lose those millions just as you got them. So without, you know, having proper structure, and if you didn't really work for it and really earn it, then you know you, you're just more likely to start some crazy ventures and and they will fall and there, i think there are many statistics out there i don't know the numbers but they went and traced those powerball millionaires and where they were two years or a year or three years and most of them they divorced with huge debts and in much worse situation than before the winning that's because you need those solid foundations the likelihood even if you do get lucky, is that you'll probably lose it soon with another stupidity. You coach a lot of entrepreneurs. You are the fail coach. So tell yes. us one of the stories of one of your entrepreneurs who faced an incredible challenge that you had to help them overcome. I literally just posted a case study that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago with a client uh, actually from Serbia, a developing country, and it's six co-founders. They are doing drafting. Big architectural studios give them work to draft for them. And last year in January, they were on the brinks of falling apart because they couldn't even raise enough money for paychecks. They were, you know, too much dependent on one big client. That client didn't have much work. They didn't know how to price them, how to create unique value proposition, raise the prices, communicate the right values and so on. They, had, they didn't have continuous sales process in place. So it was like, oh, now we all work at this. And then when we are out of work, we all go and trying to find some uh, work. And then Corona came in what, February, March, and they were already, parents were lending the money so that they were able to pay the paychecks to employees. We started working. We really focused in the first quarter on immediate needs. So how to get that cash flow going, how to increase profitability and so on. The second quarter was mostly focused on laying some strong foundations on the, the stuff that we initially did. And this year in spring, now they have projects for the next two years. They know exactly how their cash flow will be. They increased in just five quarters profitability and revenue three times 
with the same amount of employees. So we made them way more efficient, selling things at much higher prices, really knowing how to communicate stuff. And, and now we are starting the second part uh, where we take those six co-founders towards freedom because right now there are still very important parts in the business, but we needed first to stabilize the company. And now we are working more on laying down the system now that they have the cash flow to invest in, you know, business intelligence software and HR system and this and that like a year ago even investing hundred bucks for Calendly was a no-no. So, you know, they were relying mostly on free stuff, Google Sheets and so on for data gathering. But yeah, little by little, we first took them from chaos to stability. And now we are really working towards the freedom so that then they can choose whether they want to be involved, how much they want to be involved, or they just want to be passive shareholders. It will be up to them. I find a lot of entrepreneurs out there, and I make this mistake too. A lot of times we're penny wise and pound foolish. So we think, oh, I'm gonna cut all these little expenses. But what we don't realize is our time is so valuable. Like our time is the most valuable thing. So you might save a hundred bucks a month not using this service or you know 200 bucks a month there, but it's taking up your time, which you really need to think as the most precious thing you have to offer. And especially in this type of services business that you were consulting with. So you really uh, went through that business, made it much more efficient in terms of their time and their process. And then what I'm also hearing is these guys were undercharging. They were yes. actually going out to their customers and not realizing, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, they think, oh, if I charge the lowest price, I will be the most competitive, but it's not just going a race to the bottom, it's actually figuring out which clients you can add real value to and then communicating that value. So I think that's a big part of what you taught yes. them. Yes. And now they have a whole team in the sales department and marketing. So that is a never ending process. Now, they don't fear the 15th of the month because here in Europe, you know, usually you pay paychecks once a month on the 15th. And so, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful to see how the company was transformed in really during Corona and in just a single year. There are a lot of myths out there, myths about business. What are some of the big myths that you can dispel? You don't need a business plan. I mean, a few years ago, I asked this in, in, on a Facebook in a business entrepreneurial community. Do you have a business plan? And I'm not talking about those 50-page business plans that we were doing 20 years ago. But, you know, something, SWOT analysis, a little bit of, you know, mind mapping, the whole thing. And one guy replied, dude, this is 2018. Now all you need is Instagram. Okay. If that's your business approach. So yeah, stuff like that. All you need is, is a Facebook account. I mean, yes, if you want to have a, I don't know, a five-figure business, then yeah, cool. Go with that. But if, if you are an entrepreneur and by definition, we entrepreneurs, we seek greatness. We are the crazy ones. Business owner is one thing. Entrepreneur is a whole different thing. You go for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 digits and so on. You can't do it like that. You, you just can't. And also just an investor deck is not enough. So a lot of people yes. say, oh, put together an investor deck. That's not a business plan. That's your investor deck. That's to sell your idea. I want to ask you, what 
is some of the most valuable advice you've ever received in your life? Me and my co-founder in that startup, two completely different people. So I was the proverbial entrepreneur, you know, storytelling, marketing, sales, soft skills, and, and so on. But he came from automotive industry. So he was, you know, systems, processes, KPIs, benchmarking, business intelligence, and so on. So I can't say it was a single advice, but working alongside with him, so he had very poor people skills and he learned those things from me to create better relationships and so on. And I learned a whole lot about the hard stuff that needs to be there. You, you can't just build your business on the soft stuff. It needs to be a combination of both the hard and the soft stuff. That's where sustainability comes from. So um, I would say that probably I'm most thankful for the years that him and I spent together working, co-creating together, because I would never be who I am today without him by my side because he gave that yang to my yin. So find somebody who compliments you. I want you to tell our audience out there where they can find you. The easiest thing is really LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time. That's where I create most things. Yeah, I would just say connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I am. And if somebody is uh, interested to have a chat with me, uh, just send me a message. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.